Welcome to the Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and I am so sorry for the break, the super long break between episode 12's review and this one. I mean, it's just, it's been a goddamn nightmare in my life. Um, in just these last few weeks, I've had a stalker who um, basically made me shut down my entire internet presence. Like, I was scared to fucking death. Um, this guy somehow got a hold of my phone number and would not stop calling me. Even after I blocked his number, he kept calling all night, like three in the morning, um, from some enlisted number and that I couldn't block, you know, because it was like no caller ID and it was, it was fucking terrifying and I didn't want to be anywhere on the internet anymore. Um, but luckily that stopped and, um, And then I had a broken toe that made me want to do less than nothing because I couldn't fucking walk anywhere. I had to hobble around, take care of my three-year-old almost entirely by myself and like, you know, come to work. And of course it's on my right foot that I have to drive like 40 miles a day with. Um, And it's just, oh God, it's awful. And then... I had my 32nd birthday last week, which doesn't really mean anything. It didn't make me busy, but I just didn't want to do anything. So I didn't. Um, I even like put a lot of work off that I'm now paying for. So, uh, yeah, that was a bad move, but I'm just that person who like, when it's my birthday, I want to celebrate the whole month because I'm an only child. And that was like the one time my parents made life special for me. So happy birthday to me. But I'm back, and I am ready to talk about the season one finale of Riverdale, chapter 13, The Sweet Hereafter. Um, I super duper meant to uh, do some IMDb research on that, but didn't, so I bet a bunch of other podcasts have, and I'm sure it has to do with the movie somehow, but Penelope Blossom says it later on, and there you have it. Let's just jump right in. So this episode might not be as exciting or as satisfying as the season one penultimate episode, um, given that all the mysteries have been solved, but I do appreciate that Riverdale is a show that allows their penultimate episode to be the big explosive exciting one, and the finales are reserved for tying up loose ends and setting up the next season. Like, I appreciate that because most other shows, the season finale is all the big stuff, all the big explosions, you know, everything that's going to go down goes down. And then you're left all summer, like without any resolution to anything. And a lot of times that does not get tied up in early next season because they're busy setting up new stuff. So a lot of people don't like that Riverdale's season finales are kind of, um, I mean, they're not lame. They're exciting. They're good episodes. They just aren't the most exciting episodes, but I, for one, appreciate it. So there you have it. So starting off, as Jughead says, we pick right back up with with the ultimate cliffhanger (laughs) because Cliff is hanging and that's so awful. It's so bad, but I just love it. Oh my God, I laugh so hard. Um, And I love every time I get somebody to watch Riverdale and I'm like, no, you really got to watch this. 
you like X, Y, and Z shows, you're gonna love this show. Even if you're not familiar with Archie Comics or the characters, trust me, this is something you're gonna get into. And I always get a text that says the ultimate cliffhanger, LOL. <laughs> like, yes, you are so my people. Okay, so we we cut in and Cliff is, we see the cops bust into the barn and Clifford's hanging there. And what we learn from Jughead's narration and some of Alice's narration, actually, um, they're kind of tag teaming this as she's writing for the register, I think. And he's writing for the blue and gold or his novel or you know whatever but she says um oh they say they tell us that the blossom maple syrup business was really a front for clifford blossom to smuggle heroin from canada and god damn it canada keep your smack to yourselves jesus uh, but they're getting it from montreal and distributing it through riverdale sheriff keller demands that fp tell him who exactly was selling the blossoms drugs but fp denies that the Southside Serpents had anything to do with it because the Serpents are only into dime bags of weed. They don't do the hard stuff. They don't sell the hard stuff, blah, 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 blah. He refuses to name names, not even for a lesser sentence. It, and honestly, Sheriff Keller didn't really offer a true lesser sentence. He just kind of talked about it. And you don't agree to shit until there is an offer like in hand. Because, I mean what's what's fp gonna do now and just be like oh yeah tall boy does it and and then they still stick him with like the full 20 years for aiding a murder which honestly he deserves but anyway so because he's not talking he he is in fact facing 20 years in prison um betty tells us that life at the cooper house for some reason is just back to hunky dory with both hal and polly living at home but as they're walking to school in the snow betty tells archie that she doesn't buy this act for a second why is everyone acting like everything is just fine and then she compares her family to a greek suburban tragedy and archie laughs just a little too hard like <laughs> just admit that you don't get the reference bud it's okay <laughs> that scene always makes me laugh poor archie he's so pretty um, even Mayor McCoy, who's far too eager to blame everything on the serpents, of course, is fixated on Riverdale's upcoming Jubilee celebration, which is the town's 75th anniversary, which, of course, is a nod to the fact that 2017, which when this uh, season was you know, released, it marks the Archie Comics 75th year in circulation. So Anyway, the mayor invites Archie to perform with the Pussycats and Betty to deliver a speech at the Jubilee. They both advocate for Jughead deserving to be on that stage because he did just as much detective work as Betty and way more than Archie. But the mayor is like, ew, no poor people allowed. I like Jughead. No, you don't. <laughs> but his father is in jail and that might be confusing for some people. Bitch, a lot of people's dads have been in jail that's part of our our entire society now is that the fucking criminal justice system is totally fucked up so how about you slow your goddamn roll anyway people go to jail it happens and yes fp deserves to be in jail but that is not jughead's fault he had nothing to do with the cover-up of that murder he didn't even live with his dad at the time he was fucking homeless he does not deserve to be punished or banished or anything else so 
Betty has, like, zero intention of doing the mayor's bidding, though, to pretend like the town is back to being Pleasantville, and she's far more interested in writing an article that eviscerates the town collectively for refusing to acknowledge that the past 12 episodes have happened. Like, guys, has anybody been paying attention? This is not the quaint small town that everybody wants to pretend it is, and we need to, we need to acknowledge it. And her parents obviously refused to print her piece in the register because they're worried, quote unquote, for her safety, which is obviously their good name. And sorry if you hear that truck revving up. I am sitting in the parking lot of my work. Okay, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> There's a big diesel truck parked next to me, and he sat there in his truck for like forever. Who knows? Maybe he's doing his own fucking podcast. I don't know. But I thought I was going to have to record on a different day. So... Anyway, back to, I think what we were talking about was Betty's parent, Betty's parents obviously refuse to let her print her article in the register because they're worried for her safety, which honestly is just their good name. You know, they just don't want the Coopers to be seen as anything but perfect, which I mean, that ship is hailed, guys. <laughs> good grief. But she goes ahead and publishes it her damn self in the school newspaper's website because oh yeah it's 2017 and the internet exists mom and dad also she's the head of her own goddamn newspaper at school like what it what did you think was gonna happen you're gonna tell betty not to do something and she's not gonna figure out a way to do it like anyway that is so not how she works and so she she publishes it online on the blue and gold's website and then the hard copy comes out hard copy comes out the next morning hmm. um let's talk about veronica for a little bit she has major anxiety about telling betty about her budding romance with archie or she calls it a pas de deux <laughs> but he so definitely puts it as we've kissed a couple times <laughs> But Betty isn't bothered at all. Like, she doesn't care. Because haven't you heard, V? Betty and Jughead are the new it couple. Oh, and when Veronica does tell Betty, this is so awful. They're at lunch in the cafeteria. And Betty's just, like, gone off about how she, um, how Jughead deserves to be on that stage more than her and Archie. And the, the mayor's, like, being discriminatory and stuff. And Veronica's like, well, in the name of being honest and stands up like she's delivering a speech. Who fucking does that? Who <laughs> stands up like that? <laughs> but, but she does. And she stands up and she's like, I've got to confess something, Betty. Archie and I. And that's when he's like, oh, we've kissed a couple times. And she's like, Betty's like, it's okay, V. I'm with Jughead now. Like, Yes, I would have cared at the beginning of the season, but honestly, Veronica, have you not been paying attention? Betty and Jughead are this year's Brenda and Dylan, Zach and Kelly, Corey and Topanga, like, oh my god, <laughs> they're they're the new it couple. And so Archie, this is great acting by KJ Apa. His face goes from being worried that Betty will be jealous about him and Veronica to him being jealous that she's not jealous enough. <laughs> Teenagers, am I right? Good gosh. Okay, so cut to Fred and Hermione's ongoing saga. Earlier in the episode, Hermione openly tries to get Veronica to emotionally and like sexually manipulate Archie to get him to convince his dad to do whatever it is that the lodges have schemed up. 
thankfully, Veronica calls her mother out on her shit, and, like, Hermione is not at all, like, defensive of what she's asked her daughter to do. She's like, well, as long as you're in charge, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and Veronica's like, you are the fucking worst. You are the absolute worst. No, I'm not going to manipulate my boyfriend into doing your bidding. I'm not going to do it. Fred, on his, you know, on his side, he is upset that Hermione fired the serpents and hired a new construction crew despite the serpent's loyalty. But her top priority is keeping Hiram happy once he gets home from prison. And that apparently includes offering Fred um, to buy Fred out of his shares of the project and, and firing the serpents for reasons that I don't totally understand outside of like they have a bad name right now because of FP's involvement in Jason Blossom's murder, but whatever. So meanwhile, Penelope Blossom is continuing her quest to be the worst mother in history by telling her teenage daughter, maybe your father had the right idea. Just end it. Better the sweet hereafter than this awful limbo. <laughs> She's like, we should probably just commit suicide to her daughter who is reeling in the trauma of losing her twin brother to the, you know, he's the only person that ever cared for her and like her only real friend. And she lost him to her father who just committed suicide. And she just learned was like a drug runner. Oh my God. Penelope, what the fuck is wrong with you? And at first Cheryl is like, mommy, don't say that. But She's obviously scarred by this comment because she goes on to try to take her own life later. And of course, Cheryl, like, she takes all of that to heart because she's clearly not in a healthy place. She, in this episode, she abdicates as head cheerleader of the River, Vex River Vixens, handing Veronica her HBIC shirt, which obviously gives her the title um, as head cheerleader. She even, Cheryl even apologizes to Jughead for pummeling him in, in the previous episode and, and then gives him her iconic spider brooch so that he can pawn it and buy cheeseburgers and S t-shirts, you know, for years to come, possibly even decades because, you know, his dad's in prison and <laughs> everything sucks for him right now. And this is probably when her friend should be noting some noticing some giant fucking red flags you guys like she's giving away everything she cares about when her her whole life is crumbling around her it's time to step in so it turns out that Hal and Alice were right to worry about Betty's story someone plasters Betty's locker with copies of the balloon gold that you know the copy that she or the article that she wrote it's scrawled with go to hell serpent's blood oh my gosh I can't talk go to hell serpent slut and it's written in pig's blood but later Archie's like where do you even get pig's blood dad uh homie pigs <laughs> what the fuck do you think <laughs> anyway someone there's also a straw voodoo doll of Betty hanging up there like someone really had to put in some time during arts and crafts hour like they, they went to some real work to upset her to, to do this. So Betty comes home from school. 
Alice gives her absolute shit for bringing Polly to school, which makes no sense to me. Like, how does that even happen? What did Polly do all day? Did Betty actually go to class? Like, or did they just hang out in the student lounge all day? I don't know. I don't understand. It was a bad storyline. But Alice gives her big, you know, like, dumps all over her. And Betty's like, all right, you know what? Let's go. You talk a big game about liking Jughead, but do you really? And Alice is like, pfft, and she's like, yeah, that's what I thought. And what were you and FP talking about, you know, the night that you and daddy were, you know, crowned homecoming king and queen? What were you fighting about? And Alice is like, that's none of your goddamn business. And so that they leave it at that. And then the next morning, Alice comes in and oh, oh man, oh man, total Emmy bait. She like in her most lifetime movie of the week state tearfully reveals that the secret that FP, you know, overheard her and hell fighting about, um, Alice was pregnant that night. She, she told Hal that night that she was pregnant and he, I don't know what he had to do with her if her parents did it, but she was sent away to the sisters of quiet mercy, just like Polly. And there she had a son who the sisters arranged for a quiet adoption. So just, just, um, I'm going to jump in with some comics knowledge here. So in the comics, Betty has a brother named Chick. Uh, so at this point, we assume that's who this is going to be because he, you know, we haven't seen her have a brother yet. And we've only seen her sister, Polly, who is also in the comics. She is way cooler in the comics. She's like a journalist in San Francisco instead of like a fucking weirdo. But um, so this is probably going to be Chick and since you know, uh, like Chekhov's gun, we have, you know, this gun has gone off. We're going to see it happen in the next season. Um, that's at least the assumption. And because it's Riverdale, it'll be a much darker take on the sibling relationship than what, um, what goes on in the comics. So that's, that's something to look forward to. A, uh, very delightful show, social worker, Miss Weiss. I really like her. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she was in more things. And maybe she is. I just, you know, my uh, TV circle is pretty limited at this point. But she basically says that she's she's waiting at the Andrews house. And she tells Jughead, hey, look, because your mom is overworked and out of state and stretched too thin. And, like, you know, apparently she's a hot fucking mess. And your dad's imprisoned. And, oh, apparently Fred has a fucking DUI on his record that we had no idea about and this state even knows about his cash flow problem so a south side family has offered to foster him because he can't live anywhere else and he's like okay well that doesn't sound terrible and she's like well this also means that you'll be in a different school district and you'll have to transfer schools um okay since fucking when is there another school district in this small town? All we've heard is that this is a small town. <laughs> small towns only get one school district at most. Sometimes they're even like, uh, you know, grouped in with other, you know, close towns into different, you know, like, like, um, the town where my mother lives, there's a neighboring school district that's Whitmore Prescott. There's a town called Whitmore and there's a town called Prescott, but because they're both so small, they have to combine into one high school because, you know, there's just, there's only so many kids and only so much tax revenue coming in. 
So someone needs to explain that to me, how there can be another school district in this quote unquote small town. Also, isn't FP's trailer already on the south side? So (laughs) why wasn't he already zoned for Southside High? Like that, that doesn't make any sense either. Anyway, despite Betty's assurances that he does belong in Riverdale, Jughead takes it upon himself to enroll at Southside High. He just goes through with it. And yeah, he needs some fucking stability and he needs to not have to fight so fucking hard just once, just for once, just go with the flow and accept what's given to him. (laughs) It's gotta suck to have to fight constantly. So he enrolls at Southside High. And from the audience's point of view, the whole aesthetic of this school is just a bad replication of an inner city school. Like there are metal detectors and flickering fluorescent lights. And I think I might've even seen Michelle Pfeiffer sitting backwards on a chair. I don't know. Could have just been my brain. Just could have been a fever, fever dream. But anyway, this is a bad school. (laughs) Capital B bad. (laughs) Um, From Riverdale's perspective anyway. And so Jughead calls Betty one morning while she's telling Archie and Veronica about her, you know, secret brother out there somewhere, a blonde Adonis, no doubt. (laughs) And Jughead calls her from a payphone at the school. Why isn't he using his cell phone? And why is there still a payphone? (laughs) What fucking year is this? Why is he all about payphones all of a sudden? Did he hawk his cell phone? I don't know. Anyway, he calls Betty. And he tells her where he's at, that he is at Southside High. So Betty, Veronica, and Archie pull a breakfast club and dash into the, into Southside High to rescue Jughead. And didn't we just see that Southside High had like ridiculously intense security and these three are just breaking in. They obviously, you know, don't belong in their preppy clothes. But Jughead is just happily holding court at a table in the cafeteria with, you know, what appears to be the entire cast of the Outsiders. And he's doing just fine. So the core four moves outside so Jughead can assure Betty that he's fine and he might actually do well in a school where he's not the weirdo. Which makes sense. Like, I agree. Archie and Veronica are kind of off to themselves, you know, giving Betty and Jughead some some privacy. And they get like all sorts of jelly watching their friends, you know, cuddle it out. And it's, it's very awkward. It's very tense in their relationship. But then Cheryl shoots Veronica a very troubling text. It says, thanks for trying. I'm going to be with Jason now. And sweet, sweetheart, she bless his heart is like, uh, what does that mean? And Veronica has to draw him like a roadmap. And I'm assuming the reason why Archie had to deliver that line to ask what that meant was because the writers thought the audience wasn't bright enough to make that leap ourselves. And to that, I say, Mr. Aguero Sacasa, I am insulted. We all knew what that fucking meant. I mean, Cheryl has asked to stay home from school, to which her mother was a complete bitch about. And she pulls out, we see her pull out the, the outfit from the 4th of July, that, you know, white outfit with the red belt and the red shoes that she wore to Jason's funeral. And, you know, the whole thing, like clearly she's going to try to hurt herself. So 
they're like, oh, the Sweetwater River. So the whole gang rushes to the snow-covered shores of Sweetwater River. And there they find Cheryl standing on the ice like a ghost. And she's like, she's punching the ice. And they're all like, Cheryl, don't come back to the shore and we'll talk about it. And they like, they take a step onto the ice, but they hear it crack. And they're like, no, 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 no. If we all go at once, we're all going to go under. Like, we need to distribute our weight better. And then she just stands up and turns around. And she's just kind of, kind of staring at, at our friends. And then she, like, plunges through. She just falls through. And it is really exciting. And not in a good way. Like, it always makes my heart just, like, beat out of my chest. Because I am so nervous. And honestly, like, this is really some of the best cinematography I've seen on TV, like, ever. It is, it is actually really good. And a lot of people like to give this scene shit because they know it's really good but they try to be like real bougie and be like it's not the best scene ever but it is absolutely fucking gorgeous like the stark whiteness of of the environment you know compared to you know all the red hair and then Archie's blood eventually and you know it's it's actually really really breathtaking at least in my opinion I love it under the water, Cheryl sees zombie Jason and immediately regrets trying to drown herself, but the current of the river has taken her downstream from the hole where she fell through the ice, so Betty, Veronica, and Jughead are screaming for help, and Archie punches through the thick ice, breaking his hand in real life, like KJ Abbott actually broke his hand performing this scene. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. He's spraying blood all over the stark white of the snow and, and the ice. And then he eventually pulls Cheryl out. And, it, like, this is my favorite Archie scene ever. Like, not necessarily my favorite Riverdale scene, but definitely my favorite, like, Archie-centered scene. And I hate, I hate that KJ Abbott had to get, like, legit injured in the process because it was so good. <laughs> like, that's a total bummer. But... Okay, so we'll move to what I assume is is later that day. Archie's been to the hospital, got a cast and stuff. Um, because, and I know it's later that day because Veronica takes Cheryl back to the Pembroke. They're sitting in front of the fireplace. She makes her some hot cocoa with a little splash of peppermint liqueur. And fucking Hermione, who is all of a sudden evil, like pokes her head and is like, what's she doing here? <laughs> and Veronica's like, she was in an accident. She needed some place to go. Obviously, her home life is a complete fucking shit show. So I brought her here. Cheryl's like, look, Mrs. Lodge, I'm just going to get dry and warm up, and then I'll go home. Hermione's like, fine. Come on, Veronica, I'll give you a ride to the Jubilee. And she's like, no thanks, Lady Macbeth. I'm riding with, with Archie. So all this happened in one day, and that is a lot for a day. But anyway backstage at the Jubilee, Veronica eventually confronts Archie for staring wistfully at Betty and Jughead, but he insists he only likes Betty as a friend. It's just that he wants to have what they have with Veronica, you know, that whole soulmates thing, and obviously that was the, like, the perfect thing to say to Veronica, because she's a teenager, and what kind of teenage girl doesn't want to hear the word soulmates uttered from the dude she's rubbing uglies with? Like, that is, (laughs) that is exactly what what teenage girls want to hear the um 
so they're kissing and the pussycats walk in on walk in on them kissing and i'm just like oh poor val i mean first veronica takes her spot in the band and then her boyfriend and i mean she's the one who broke up with archie and rightly so because he was being a douche but it's still got to be a punch in the gut to walk in and see you know of all people veronica kissing him like that's a total bummer um, anyway, Josie agrees to let Archie sing one of his original songs at the Jubilee because he saved her girl, Cheryl. Uh, Josie, you might want to check on your girl. If y'all are that good of friends, you should probably listen to her since she was willing to go to everyone else, everyone who hates her guts, to drop subtle hints that she was following in her father's footsteps, footsteps in attempting suicide. I mean, seriously. It... <laughs> I don't know how good of friends they are for real, but like you, um, you might want to check in on your girl. I'm, I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. So, um, Archie sings his song and then Betty gets up there. It's not a great song. It's not my favorite. Uh, Betty gets up there and delivers her speech and it implores the town to face up to the ugly truths that many would prefer to bury. She insists that the North side look to their own flaws before condemning F.P. Jones. And because she's a teenager in love, well, and a teenager, first and foremost, she's like, Archie Andrews is the very essence of Riverdale. Kevin Keller is the very essence of Riverdale. Veronica Lodge is the very essence of Riverdale. She just names her, like, entire clique. <laughs> but, because she's in love, she also says Jughead Jones. <laughs> she says it like that. I swear to God she does. She said like, this is a very niche reference, but if any of you were um, into Texas, like hip hop and the early aughts, you might remember uh, Mike Jones, but um, that's how, that's how he said his name. But anyway, I think of that every time Betty says Jones, because it, she puts that inflection on it. And I sincerely doubt Lily Reinhart has ever heard of Mike Jones, but anyway, she says, Jughead Jones is the very spirit of Riverdale, and yet he's being condemned to, like, a really bad school. <laughs> and anyway, her message is, like, get the fuck over yourselves. If this town is to thrive again, we must do better. All of us must do better. And for this, she's met with a standing ovation, but only after Jughead starts a slow clap. So, you know, thanks, boo. Because otherwise, it was going to get really fucking awkward <laughs> with her walking off stage. So Fred ultimately declines to sell his business to Hermione because she, like the town of Riverdale, is at a crossroads, like, like Betty said. And yes, Hiram is coming back, but would this really be what's best for her? Uh, Fred, maybe if Hiram is like violent, she, she might just be trying to avoid being a battered wife. And perhaps that's not the case, but that is absolutely what Marisol Nichols performance suggests so I if she's like I do I cannot piss him off I do not want to piss him off maybe uh listen to her believe her you know like you do you what makes sense for your business but don't treat her like shit because she's just trying to cover her own ass you know so anyway after the jubilee Penelope returns home to find Cheryl who is now dry and in fresh clothes a different set of white clothes and back in her best lipstick so we know she's not sad anymore and she's standing I and mean, she's still not good <laughs> she's still suffering some major mental health issues but she is standing at a roaring fireplace and then she tosses a burning candelabra on the carpet to which she's doused in gasoline and according to Cheryl this is the only way for them to be purified holy shit 
so having made it safely outside um, this is all during a, a montage later but we see a very satisfied Cheryl watch Thornhill go up in flames while her mother like smacks her in slow motion you know just not a good year for the Blossom Clan <laughs> but it 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 was actually pretty beautiful so the core four makes a toast with milkshakes at Pops. Jughead, you know, over the narration says that, you know, this was the first of many milkshakes that night, which seems very heavy and just like an overall poor choice given what their activities are later. I just don't know if several milkshakes is, you know, not a, that's just not a good idea for the old tum-tum. <laughs> um, Jughead and Betty retreat to FP's newly spiffed up trailer that Jughead cleans up he says after Keller trashed the place but honestly Jughead trashed the place so he, he cleaned up his own mess and Betty swears to Jug that she's not going to stop stop fighting to get FP out even though like he did some really bad shit Betty he he kind of deserves to be in but Jughead says hell no that's why I love you Betty and she's like what I love you Betty Cooper she turns around quite dramatically and says, I love you too, Jughead Jones. Then they go at it like teenage rabbits to Imagine Dragons on the soundtrack. And this is when like we cut to them, back to uh, Archie and Veronica, and back to Cheryl watching her house go up in flames. So, uh, like I said, meanwhile, Archie and Veronica sneak into her apartment for their own sexy time. Uh, but they don't have to be too quiet because apparently Hermione has mixed her red and white wines and maybe even took a pill after Fred shut her down at the Jubilee. <laughs> so they go to her room and, and they start taking each other's clothes off. And she's like, we've had this date from the very beginning, Archiekins. And then it's like, <laughs> they go at it. Betty and Jughead, who don't even have an adult in their love shack, like, they don't have to be quiet at all. They're slamming into counters, knocking shit over, and but they're interrupted by a loud knock at the trailer door. Assuming it's Alice, they the kids freak out because at this point they're both shirtless. Don't worry, this is still the CW, not HBO. Betty is in a bra, like you know, we're not gonna see any nips, but um, nothing overly overly scandalous, but it's not Alice, it's the serpents. They heard FP didn't snitch, and they want Jughead to know that they'll have his back while his dad is away. Because, uh, I don't know, maybe some of them were running heroin for, uh, for Clifford Blossom, and FP could have said some shit, but he didn't. So, they're going to take care of their own, which includes Jughead. They even offer him a serpent jacket of his own, and I have to admit, as much as I don't want to see Jughead follow in FP's footsteps, he looks damn good in that jacket. But only as Betty looks on in dismay. Oh man, when he puts it on and it's like, the Imagine Dragons cuts in with Frayne! And it's, it is really beautiful. And she's like, Juggy? And he turns around and looks at her like, who are you again? I'm, what? Betty, Betty who? Do I know you? <laughs> he looks so confused. And like, he, he has to be confused. I don't blame him. So the next morning, waking up in Veronica's room, Archie gets a text from his dad requesting Casanova meet him for breakfast at Pops. And Archie, so he, he leaves um, and he walks into Pops and literally tells Fred he has to go wash his hands, you know, because he just fucked his girlfriend. I had to pause that scene and laugh for like 20 minutes the first time I watched this episode. Like, I just cannot even believe that happened. 
Oh my god. So while Archie is washing the spunk off his hands and smiling at himself like a goober in the mirror, he hears a kerfuffle go down in the main part of the diner. He walks out of the men's room to find an armed robbery in progress. There is a very tall, beefy man in a black hood, flannel shirt, black leather jacket, and a a jacket that is notably missing a snake patch on the back so we know he's not a serpent he's also in some like um lighter colored jeans that i can only describe as dad jeans minus the pleats very much the same jeans that my dad wears uh he also has insanely green eyes that just do not occur in nature but we we don't know who this is so archie makes it super clear what he's about to do and you know go run in front of fred but despite fred's subtle head shake saying don't fucking do it homie runs in between the gunman and his father but he's not fast enough to stop the masked man from shooting fred right in the gut <sighs> not our luke perry you cannot kill luke perry you can't i'm sorry you just can't it's not okay but we're gonna have to wait until next season to learn if he lives or dies <laughs> who tells your story just kidding who's responsible in exactly why Jughead's narration calls this an act of violence that was anything but random. So Jughead tells us basically this was a hit or this guy was trying to kill Fred on purpose, which is nuts. Then we get Riverdale. All right. So most Archie comics moment. Um, there was a lot in this episode. There was, there really was a lot. I mean, there's like the 75 year connection. There's, um, the chick reference but I, for me it was when the mayor named Archie the town hero even though he did like jack shit that the mayor even knows about he saved Cheryl yes that was very heroic and I could not be more proud of him for that but does anyone even know about that at the point that the sheriff or that the mayor calls him the town's hero no he just happened to be in the group of kids that discovered who killed Jason Blossom he did none of the legwork though like none of it so I mean but that is very much an Archie Comics moment that he would be the big shining hero because it is the Archie Comics uh best blossom burn I mean the fire right <laughs> there were there were not a lot of solid burns there was just Penelope being the absolute fucking worst and poor Cheryl and oh god oh my god I just oh that girl so good bad funnies the good I actually really like how they handled Cheryl's attempted suicide and her disposition leading up to it the red flags were everywhere and Veronica even gave her the old if you need anything just let me know to which the only response somebody is going to give is I'm fine don't worry about me because they are at a point where they feel like there is such a burden that they're not gonna actively try to burden anybody else anymore like the that's not where your brain is at in that moment don't offer you know vague gestures of just let me know what you need do something actively do something be a part of their lives and prove to them that they are worth being here everybody deserves to be here in this moment and they just need to not you know like oh god so I, I really like how they handled it because it, I felt like it was very true to what people experience 
and probably especially teen girls because that is there is a huge spike in young people killing themselves you know in the past few years and I think most of them are girls I think I heard that somewhere um bad I'm just the one last fucking cover girl product placement it just it kills me also the song that Archie sang was like the worst one yet of the um the original compositions I, I mean it's it's not terrible it just it wasn't very good and in the words of Betty Cooper Riverdale must do better <laughs> it's not a good song um my funny this week just the ultimate cliffhanger <laughs> it is so inappropriate but so funny my exact brand of humor I also liked that when Betty told Archie and Veronica that she was a Jughead now Jughead was just took a humongous bite of a cheeseburger and that was great um for changes I think it was a cheeseburger fuck I don't know out of his lunch uh for changes well for one thing I want to know more about Fred's DUI I would have put that in in the story oh and Polly's line about wanting to go to school when she interrupts uh Veronica and Betty in Betty's room like I get wanting to be a normal teenager but girl you're pregnant with your cousin's babies (laughs) take the opportunity to graduate from like the school of the prices right and daytime soaps you know just lay low and then betty just brings her to school i guess i guess my changes would just be i would have changed polly right out of most of her scenes in this episode i'm not saying kick her out entirely like you know there was the point that she was living at home and that was important to the story but you know okay so for theories so who do you guys think is in that black hood? Hmm. You'll have to stay tuned to our coverage on season two to figure that out. Or, you know, just like watch season two of the show. You don't have to wait for me to tell you. <laughs> but maybe more importantly, where is Cheryl going to live now that Thornhill burned down? Did she get all of her like epically amazing clothes out first? What about the shoes and her lipsticks? I mean, <sighs> what's she going to do next season? For Sabrina news, uh, there's not much real news going on, but there are some big hints that the cast will be at Comic-Con this year, so that's one thing to look out for. Maybe we'll get, like, a first glimpse at the show, and that'll be nice. Uh, for Skeet's Datagram Corner, on April 7th, KJ Appa posted a selfie with, uh, like, a piece of art on the wall behind him with his best friend from New Zealand. I think, I don't know. There's probably a lot of you who actually know about these kids' real friends and real life but I don't. I think it's kind of creepy. Like, it's not my place to know these, like, regular people. I just followed the cast to get, like, information on the show, and it's fun to, like, you know, kind of see what their personal life is like, but I'm not gonna follow just, like, lay people. (laughs) It's weird. Um, Anyway, it's this guy that's always in his Instagram stories whenever he's back home, and it's kind of, like, photoshopped vaguely on this piece of art, and his caption is, I feel like someone's watching me. And Skeet's comment is just, it's so perfectly dorky. It says, run, KJ, run! And then running guy emoji, you know, like, run, Forrest, run, run, Jenny, run, you know. It's, you know, you know. Anyway, super funny. I loved it. So perfectly Skeet. Uh, This week, we actually have some podcast suggestions. Um, If you are into true crime, just another true crime podcast with Natasha and Alan is super fun. Very well researched. They just did uh, one on... Um, over, they, they found like an episode of Forensic Files and covered um, this murder that was very interesting, super, super duper interesting. I, it was really good. Um, 
also Am I Right Ladies with Chelsea and Valerie. They just did an episode that covered Buffy and I just, I super adored it just because, you know, I just finished watching, um, all of, all of the Buffy series, the entire series. And I just finished Angel, the spinoff two nights ago. So it was super fun for me to listen to. Um, of course, because it's fresh on my mind, there are a couple times when I was like screaming at my earbuds because <laughs> they had forgotten some things as well. They should, it's been off the air for like forever for 15 years or something. Um, but it's, it, it's super fun. You feel like you're just hanging out with your friends. It's very enjoyable. Um, there is, if you're into wrestling, there's, um, there's a podcast called, we just made the list and it's can, um, if you're into it, you don't even have to be super into wrestling. It's, it's just a fun podcast to listen to. Um, but I think that's it for me today. That's a wrap on season one. Don't forget to Oh my goodness. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. It really helps with the algorithms on iTunes. Reviews are very well appreciated. I will read them on the air unless you don't want me to. That's fine. Just let me know. Um, but I am happy to, if you want to follow me on social media, because like, you know, that I actually won't bother you or interrupt your feed very often <laughs> because I'm like super bad at social media. Um, if you want to see a random picture of my kid or two, you can follow me at Sharibi on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll spell that for you. So it's the at sign C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B-E-E. -E -E -E. Um, until next week when we start season two, stay off the ice and don't get shot at a diner. Bye! We'll make the winter springtime and jingle jangle sing time right on to the summer and the fall. So darling, don't be weeping and please don't you be sleeping when I come creeping down the hall.